having brows. Treading water that they drown. I head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 179 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. Week one is finally over. It was a crazy week full of roller coasters, injuries. We're here to help you sort everything out from the underreactions to the overreactions. And man, Snoog, it was an, just a crazy week one. You know, we all think we know everything. We jump into week one and then it, they prove like, all right, we're going out there and playing. And you guys, you know, some of it we hit, some of it we don't. But it was a lot of heartbreak. Yeah, I mean, last night was one of the most devastating nights of my football watching career. Just watching Aaron Rodgers go out there. All the hype built up on the offseason with hard knocks and the Garrett Wilson connection. We're, we're thinking this guy's about to go out there and put up 1,500 receiving yards. And Comes before we know it, the tunnel, right? With the flag, and you're like, oh, oh. man, this is going to be something, right? Before we know it, Zach Wilson's going to be throwing him footballs for the next 17 weeks. So it, it's not the best week for me. Started off really rough, but we're pushing forward because our guy Travis Etienne had a phenomenal week with 23-plus touches. So I'm excited for him and what his future brings. Yeah, I mean, you know, fantasy-wise, we've done this the entire way to kind of get you guys set. You know, I'm in 18 leagues now, including Scott Fishbowl, 17 in one week one. It felt good, you know what I mean? My my Scott Fishbowl team went off. You know, the re, the uh, rebuilding teams, those you just get to sit back and watch, right, because you already lose, so you know you're winning. You know, we get into those situations. And, you know, the the amount of DMs that we've been getting ever since, you know, the week one kicked off are just incredible. You know, you guys are really reaching out there. And, again, you guys want to make sure you guys check out the Patreon. We hit, hooked up guys up with Start Sits this week you know, kind of helping out with trades. There's so much going on. Snoog and I are going to break it down, and we're excited to just cover it all for you. So let's start out with, you know, we had we had Jameer Gibbs on Thursday night. You had to be excited to see what we were going to see from Bijan Robinson, right? We look at that that Falcons-Panthers game, and Bijan Robinson looked like him, right? He was absolutely there. But Tyler Algiers gets completely involved with those two touchdowns, you know, multiple carries in there. Talk to me a little bit about this situation where they easing him in, or a lot of people are asking, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is people are really talking about going all in on Algier with their fab money. And for me, it's like, this is very similar to that, what we saw with Jameer Gibbs, right? This is them easing in Bijan Robinson, but man, did he pass the eye test? Yeah. The thing that was key to watch and focus in on in, in the Lions and the Falcons game was how frequent Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs were on the field, playing in the slot, playing out wide and, kind of being used as a receiver out of the backfield because Dave Montgomery cut zero passes and was targeted zero times on Thursday night. And Tyler Algier was pretty much just a goal line guy. Bijan Robinson's going to get all the carries. They're going to still play Tyler Algier, but Bijan's going to be the quality carry guy there. And like we saw 20 plus points on like 14 touches. So I'm not worried about the volume necessarily with the talent because this is a guy that can catch five to six passes per game if he's targeted with Desmond Ritter. He can't push the ball downfield. He he looked awful on Sunday. So expect a ton of running back passes to be John Robinson. Tyler Algier can play. I just still value him as that elite end handcuff where I'm not playing him any weeks. But if Bijan Robinson goes down, then he's probably gonna be a top twelve guy. So he's really good to key in on for that for that aspect. 
Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you because the biggest takeaway I saw was was Ritter could not push the ball downfield at all. I mean, that 3.3 yards per attempt was the absolute lowest in the NFL. You know, he only had one throw over 12 yards trying to push the ball downfield. And and that obviously is going to play in Bijan's favor. Bijan is going to absolutely own when it comes to maybe 60, 70 receptions here in this offense. Algiers is going to be involved. We see his run first. The question that I get the most right now, Snoog, is it's like, what do I do with Drake London? What do I do with Kyle Pitts? You know, and I know we had that sample size those last four weeks of the season last year where you know, Drake London was a, a top-notch wide receiver with uh, Desmond Ritter. The question I'm getting a lot is people are panic selling. They're just saying, you know, what do I get for Drake London? What do I do here? And what I keep saying is it was week one. We know the talent is fantastic when it comes to Drake London. But the Desmond Ritter quarterback play really has me worried. You know, if you told me that Taylor Haneke takes over week four, I see Drake London producing quite a bit. Right now, I'm a little worried. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, the situation was kind of baked into his cost already. And same with Kyle Pitts, because they took Bijan Robinson eighth overall. And we've known this since the spring now that Arthur Smith wants to pound the rock, get the play action going and. There's going to be times where Drake London does, you wouldn't even think he's on the field. You'd think he stayed at home, but this is a guy that he's a great talent, but he's not Garrett Wilson's level of talent. He's not going to produce regardless of the quarterback. Like Zach Wilson's far worse than Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. And Garrett Wilson's still going to probably put up a thousand plus yards and maybe score a few touchdowns and get like 150 targets. This The situation's just different for Drake London because he's competing with Pitts. Bijan Robinson's an elite receiving back out of the backfield. So, there's a real-world scenario, especially with how much they're going to run the ball. Jets will prob- probably too, but I just don't think Drake London's kind of in that same situation talent-wise as Garrett Wilson with how quick he separates and the trust built because Zach Wilson knows how Garrett was. He saw it last year. That trust is already there. He's going to lean on him when he needs to make a play. But Desmond Ritter is just not going to. I mean, he has Pitts. He has Bijan. There's so many more options in Atlanta, so – I mean, the only option you really have now is to hold because no one's going to buy him after putting up a goose egg. You better hope he puts up 15-plus points this week. Then you have the option to move off him. But who knows? Things could change. The team's not very good. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So I'm kind of excited to see where Drake London and Kyle Pitts fall at a season end. But these were two guys that I just weren't touching in redraft for this reason. So. Yeah, and the question that I'm getting is, and, and I kind of like this. I mean, I was talking with a guy. He goes, hey, you know, a guy wants a 25 first on top of Drake London for, you know, Devontae Adams. I said, absolutely not. You know, that like that's not the route that we're trying to go, right? If you are competitive and, you know, this particular person reached out, what we ended up doing, I said, hey, man, you're a competitive team. Offer up Drake London in your 24 first for Amon Ross St. Brown. Smash that deal. To me, Amon Ross St. Brown showed that he is going to be a top five wide receiver this year. He's a top five to six dynasty wide receiver. You want to make the move that way from Drake London. If you're moving backwards, you know, you almost want to do, we talk about, you know, where you're trying to reduce volatility. If you're trading to Drake London, you almost want to do it the opposite way. If you're going after a Tyreek Hill and then lower yourself down at the running back, if you are an absolute contender and you get yourself into that scenario where you trade Drake London and, a running back that isn't quite as good, improve in different areas, you know? So I think 
Drake London is going to be fine. I'm really advocating if you are rebuilding right now to go out and kick the tires, right? I mean, that is the worst game that we'll ever see from Drake London. If you're a rebuilding team right now and you are, you know, you see a contender that has Drake London that might have thought highly of him, go over and make an offer. You know, this is the time to do that. You know, strike while the iron's hot because a lot of times, you know, owners are going to see him week two. He puts up 15 points. They're going to forget about week one. And they're going to, you know, they got that recency bias moving forward. We were talking about the, the rookies in this game. I was watching, I watched every single snap. Bryce Young looked, you know, he struggled mightily. Those receivers we knew were going to be absolutely, you know, what are the, what are the lower end receiving cores in the league. And he just couldn't get it done with what he had there. How worried are you with Bryce Young? Is this someone, you know, again, in redraft, the only quarterback we're touching as a starter is Anthony Richardson as a rookie. But Bryce Young right now is sitting in that QB8, QB9 range for a lot of people. Where do you feel after week one that, that people should be reacting? Yeah, I mean, I always hated that price on Bryce Young. I never thought he was going to be like a top eight dynasty quarterback just because being five foot ten. I'm not a size guy, but just being a five foot ten quarterback going out there as not someone that's a pure rushing quarterback with that elite upside like Kyler Murray, he had to go out there and be a Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow level passer, and he's just not there. The consistency, he's not going to have it. He's a great player. He has insane intangibles. He can read a defense in and out, but we saw it on Sunday. I mean, he struggled with that. He got lurked twice by the same player, Jesse Bates, that safety coming over the top, and he was just staring down receivers. I'm not worried about it. That happens. Rookies are going to have those muscle aches and those those um, inconsistencies. But, I mean, C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson looked much better than Bryce Young did on Sunday, and they played better matchups. So it's interesting to see how it's all going to plan out. I mean, the NFL viewed this guy as the one-on-one for a reason, so I'm not letting one week determine where I'm heading because we saw Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields' rookie years, mm-hmm. and those were just absolute headaches, and those were – Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect in the past few years. Like he was a way better prospect than anyone to come out this year. So, I mean, it happens. Bad teams, they struggle. New head coaching staff, everything's new in Carolina. So, Bryce Young needs to get that feel going. He also didn't have DJ Chark, so he was missing some weapons on offense. But they looked like they really just wanted to run the ball a ton. So, I don't expect a ton of volume there in Carolina this year. And I think Bryce Young's going to continue to struggle. Moving from one rookie to another. And we move over to the Ravens-Texans game, and Zay Flowers just looked phenomenal. He looked like Tyreek Hill light. You know, this looked like a guy that count, you know, we, we had him pretty high at Smash. We had him at receiving, you know, in his debut, and he looked electric. Like, he looked like he was – Lamar Jackson was absolutely locked in on him. It wasn't Bateman. It wasn't, you know, Odell Beckham. We know Mark Andrews is going to be coming back either this week or next week. So – how do we see this shaking out? You know, I have so many people saying, I'm going to trade my 24 first for Zay Flowers. Show that when it comes to Zay Flowers. Yeah, um, Zay Flowers is great. I mean, we knew what he, he was going to be coming out. He, he had that elite short area quickness, that route running. He's, he's a consistent separator at all three levels. If he transferred to Bama his junior year, senior year, and just played with a good team and didn't stay at BC where he was loyal and his quarterback got injured, he would have been a guy that probably went top 15 in the draft. And I think just the whole landscape overall this year, after so many wide receivers decided to go last year, I think we saw six in the first round in 2022. 
so many of those bad teams that were in that area to take a top 15 wide out didn't need to take one. So that's why we saw that wide receiver slippage because there's realistically four really good wide receivers in this class with Jackson Smith, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and Quentin Johnson. And they all got first round draft capital and they all landed in great landing spots and good offenses with good quarterbacks. So there's nothing you can complain about with any of those four guys. But what stands out with Zay is his ability to consistently get open underneath Mm -hmm. and make plays after the catch. And he has a little bit of Jackson Smith and Jigba with him with that yak ability and just getting open consistently underneath versus press coverage, zone coverage. He also has that speed to break the defense over the top. So him and Lamar Jackson is going to be the wide receiver one QB one duo that we want. It's a very cheaper stack compared to the elite end ones, just like that Justin Herbert, Quentin Johnston one. And for the long term, I mean, yeah, Mark Andrews is there and he's great, but Zay Flowers is going to be a lot easier of a target for Lamar Jackson to connect with. And Lamar loves to go deep and that's one of Zay's specialties. So I'm excited to see how that offense kind of pans out and how Zay steps into that wide receiver one role. And like, Trades you could be making right now for say Flowers is like as much as I love Garrett Wilson, like he's my favorite one of my favorite players right after the guy right here hanging up behind me. But like if you could go ahead and like make a turnaround move with like Zay Flowers, a 24 first that could be like mid to early and then get like maybe a, another 25 first or like a second or two thrown in on top, I would do that all day just because it's it's an insulated trade for Zay Flowers. I mean, he's already valued at like the dynasty wide receiver 15 16 on key trade cut after one good game so i mean everybody's super in on him now and and it's almost like his value is just skyrocketing so it's kind of being ahead of the curve just like we saw with chris olave Devontae smith garrett wilson last year kind of in that sixth seventh round startup range we saw the same thing with zay flowers except he was even cheaper so he's what people wanted sky more to be and he's in a better offense in 2023 for target opportunity so i'm all in on him yeah, and I pulled up a bunch of trades because that was what I was interested in, right? We look at, at where things are. I mean, I see one here that blows my mind. It's Zay Flowers in the third for T. Higgins. Now, T. Higgins obviously did not have a reception. You know, the the Cincinnati offense struggled mightily. I think that Cleveland defense is absolutely legit. You know, new defensive coordinator. They look like they gave Joe Burrow fits. But T. Higgins is one that I am trying to buy everywhere with people yeah. being on a down chain. I mean, you look at – he's either the wide receiver two – in Cincinnati this year and next year, or next year he goes to, you know, a contender where he wants to go to a Cincinnati, to a Buffalo, to somewhere else where he becomes that number one guy. And I think, you know, if you could go Zay Flowers or T Higgins, Zay Flowers in a 24 third or T Higgins, what's that side of you for you? on? I'm going to take T Higgins there. Just like you said, I mean, for this year, he's a top 15 guy. He's going to have a great year. He got the him and Drake London got the Devontae Smith treatment last year, putting him zero yeah. points, and then Devontae Smith ended up being like the wide receiver nine. So I'm not worried about T. Higgins. He's in one of the best passing offenses in the NFL. He has that connection built with Joe Burrow already. And there's mm-hmm. games Jamar Chase is going to get absolutely shadowed, man coverage, press coverage, double teamed. That's going to happen, and it's going to happen often. So T. Higgins is going to absolutely dominate on that second cornerback that's mm-hmm. going to be guarding him. And he also has that big play 40 plus point potential. Like we saw multiple times in the past two to three years. So T Higgins is the guy that I'm just going to take all day over Zay flowers because one game sample versus that three year sample. And we already know how talented T Higgins is. Yeah. Back to back thousand yard season, seven touchdowns. I'm saying go buy T Higgins where you can, you know, if Jamar chase goes down, he's a top five option in the NFL. Let's talk about a couple other trades here. We got, 
Uh, Zay Flowers in a 24 first or Amon Ross St. Brown. This is very similar to what we're talking about with Drake London. Like this is adding your potential late 24 first to go from what you think you have to what you know you're going to get in Amon Ross St. Brown. Or is it the other way around where you're looking insulated? You know, like if you're in a if you're in a rebuilding team and you move off Amon Ross St. Brown for Zay Flowers in a first, I'm in. If you're a contending team and you know you want that production from Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm in there as well. Yeah, I actually like the Zay Flower side in that trade. But I think market value-wise, you could get more. You could squeeze like maybe another second or maybe a second and like a two seconds and like a third swap. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. just throw another third on top of Amon Ra and then you get two seconds back with the first. But I mean, Zay Flowers is so talented. And I will always be one of those guys that I just never see it with Amon Ra St. Brown. He's not an elite player at anything. Like he's just getting hit on wide open crossers across the middle. To me, he's just... <laughs> To, to me, he's a really solid player, but he's a scheme fit guy. And guys like that aren't, can they can't give you like an eight year time frame of just being so elite. Like we've seen guys like Juju be absolutely phenomenal and then kind of fall down. We've mm-hmm. seen guys like Golden Tate do the same thing. But I mean, Amon Ra is great. He's the number one option in Detroit. I'm not saying that, but from a talent perspective, there's a real world where Zay Flowers is a better NFL wide receiver than Amon Ra St. Brown. And we I can get in that. In a two-year window, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a top six wide receiver in the NFL. Like I think yeah, every year. Yeah, hundred from upside. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, here's the interesting one: is a lot of people keep asking. You know, so Zay Flowers is hot right now. Everyone's asking me, and and Cam Akers is a huge sell. If you didn't watch the game, you know he's 22 carries for 29 yards, but you see he scores the touchdown, saves your fantasy purposes. But if you look at things, I mean, people are asking, how do I get rid of? Cam Akers, how do I get rid of DeAndre Swift? How do I move a player like that who's a, a depreciating asset? And this is it right here, and I love this trade. Zay Flowers and Cam Akers for Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard looked legit, like absolutely. We knew he was going to be there. He goes out, puts up 25-plus fantasy points. This is the type of move where if you want to get rid of a guy like Cam Akers, you're going to have to pair him with someone else that's hot. You're going to have to pair him else with someone else that's you know attractive. And move yourself up a tier. I, I advocate doing this everywhere you have those Cam Akers shares. Add Cam Akers to Sam Laporta to get up to Dalton Kincaid. Or add, you know, add it to Cooper Cup to get all the way up to Stefan Diggs because Diggs is healthy. Akers is a must sell for me right now. You and I were, you know, teetering back and forth in the offseason. Is this a move that you'd make? I mean, you put Zay Flowers with Cam Akers to get yourself that absolute stud in Tony Pollard. Yeah, I would do that because like I said, the way we like to look at it is is that three-year window where we want to win championships. And I'm, I'm not really – I think I have one rebuilding team across 28 leagues. So I've kind of put everything I have towards just competing and trying to win as much money as I can this year and being a serious contender in every league. But if you're kind of on the fence and your team's not great, you need to be able to identify and take a direction. If you're like a middle-of-the-pack team where you have like no running backs – Maybe you got a good wide receiver or two, some good quarterbacks, but you're you don't stand out to your league. Then that's the best time to hit that one year punt and kind of just take it off there. But I mean, Cam Akers, this is a guy that we really hoped for that breakout. McVay spoke highly on him all off season. He's coming off that torn Achilles, but he's two years removed from it now, and he's on that contract year. So this is a big year for him. This 2020 running back class has been so disappointing. Clyde stinks. Dobbins probably going to have a career ending injury. And Jonathan Taylor's on the pup list with the contract situation and Gibson's horrible. So I don't really know what's going on with it, but 
I'm praying that Cam Akers or DeAndre Swift, one of them's got to do something for us, and they're both on contract years, and Swift's on an elite offense. So I'm going to just hold them because they're probably pretty valueless at this point mm-hmm. to most people. So this isn't the week to sell. And Cam Akers did the same thing last year and then had a great, like, six, seven-game stretch. So I would keep them. But unless I can turn, like, a Zay Flowers, take advantage of that hype with, like, a Cam mm-hmm. Akers and turn it into, like, a Pollard and I have a good contending team, then I just hold and just try to wait for – an opportunity to sell at a better value. I'm glad you brought up J.K. Dobbins because, I mean, that broke my heart. You know, like I said, I'm in two redraft leagues. I took him in both of those. All of my dynasties, I do not own a single share of J.K. Dobbins. Until today, I bought three shares for late 24 thirds. What's what's the risk? You know, like at that point, he's got a full year to recover. I know the Achilles is tough. I'm not advocating going out there and, you know, I've seen some people offer – Khalil Herbert for him, you know, and you're not getting a player like that. You're going to get a third. You might get a, you know, a 25 third, you know, you might get a pair of thirds, but not a lot. So go out there and kick the, kick the tires. If you're on a rebuilding team, why not get a shot at JK Dobbins? It's not going to hurt your team. Um, That situation is going to be interesting, right? I love Gus Edwards, someone that you and I have talked about a lot being someone that you should be stashing as an insurance running back. Justice Hill ends up getting a couple easy touchdowns. But you got to believe that Baltimore at least goes out and and starts a discussion with some of these teams with disgruntled running backs, at least brings in Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette and starts talking to it. But in the immediate future, Gus Edwards has some nice sneaky flex play value here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if Justice Hill and Gus Edwards are on your waivers, in Dynasty especially, most most leagues they will be, go ahead and just put it in, put it in your fab for them because just in case, you never know. I mean, this – Baltimore Ravens rushing attack has been injured for the past like three years and they've been so screwed ending up bringing in that Kenyon Drake, Latavius Murray. Who's that guy? Tyson, Tyson, what was his name? Tyson something. No, you know I know who you're talking about. So, I mean, it's like. It was hit. I, I ended up paying like a 25 second for him in one league because he had that. He had a couple of like flashy games there. Yeah, it's got to be someone. The offense is a. You know, obviously Lamar and company struggled a little bit with Munkin's offense. I think they're ultimately going to be absolutely fine. The other side of the ball is interesting to me, Snoop, because Stroud, you know, there were times where he looked good. There were times where he, you know, showed that he was a rookie, but he looked composed. He didn't make the big mistakes. And he was able to, you know, support two wide receivers in Nico Collins and Robert Woods, who both saw 10 targets that are, you know, Robert Woods was essentially free. People were giving up, you know, trading him for 24 thirds. Nico Collins might be on that fringe of a, a breakout, like we said, because, you know, CJ Stroud, I think, is going to be good enough to make these guys viable. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing that I wanted to see from CJ Stroud early on in his rookie career is exactly what he showed me. And it's exactly what everybody doubted him for and knocked him for coming out of college. And it's how will he react when he's throwing the football under pressure? Mm-hmm. that kid was moving out of that pocket, avoiding sacks, breaking sacks, making plays on the run pretty consistently in that Baltimore game. And we saw it a lot in that Miami preseason game as well. So, I mean, he's doing exactly what we saw in Georgia, but against a real NFL defense. And the Ravens are sending everything they got, blitzing five, blitzing two guys off the edge. I mean, they were just getting all over C.J. Stroud. And we saw a lot of him just getting away from the pressure, whether it was a throwaway hitting a five-yard play. He was pushing the ball downfield a little bit. I thought he looked really solid for for a first start, especially against a good team like Baltimore and a good offensive or defensive-minded coach like 
Arbar. So I was really excited about CJ Stroud. And like you said, two wide receivers had 10 plus targets. That's really good because most rookie quarterbacks can't do that. They can't support players like that. And that's been an issue, but CJ Stroud, pure pocket sniper, and he's just a really good pure thrower. And he throws a lot of touch on that football. I mean, he could put that ball wherever he wants, as long as that pocket's clean or he's on that run. So I'm all in on CJ Stroud as an NFL quarterback long-term because I just believe in his talent so much. And even though he's in such a bad situation, weak wide receiver help, first-year defensive head coach, and that offensive line's brutal, I think he's going to be one of the quarterbacks that outweighs that situation and, and turns that team into something. Calvin Ridley, baby, right? Eight for 101 and a touchdown. All year last year, I was screaming from the rooftops for rebuilding teams. Just throw out your 24 second for Calvin Ridley. I got him on six of my teams by doing that. And man, he looked like a man possessed. Like we we know that there were the questions like, hey, is he going to be able to bounce back? You know, he's going to, he's been off for what, 694 days is he going to be that guy? And then you just saw him play. And that is what we wanted Christian Kirk to be last year, as good as Christian Kirk was as the wide receiver 11 overall. Snoog, I think Calvin Ridley is a top five wide receiver for this season. I mean, that's how good he looked. That He was wide open. He was getting himself open. Trevor Lawrence looked his way. I am just enamored, right? Like, I'm like, I wish I had more shares. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley, we we knew exactly what he was going to be. And this is a guy that is an elite separator at all three levels. He showed that yak demonstration in this game as well. And the best thing about it all is Trevor Lawrence gets that ball. As soon as he touches that football at a shotgun under center, he's looking at Calvin Ridley. His eyes go right to Calvin Ridley. And they've been playing for maybe, what, six months together. And that trust is already starting to build. So there's a real-world scenario where like week 10 to 17, Calvin Ridley's like a top three wide receiver in points per game. So I think that connection is going to continue to build. And there was an opportunity in Dynasty where we could have gotten him for like a second round pick. And I, I'm grateful that I was a huge Calvin Ridley fanboy when he was at Atlanta because the bias in me knew, all right, just go get Calvin Ridley. I don't care if he stinks. I don't care if he never plays another snap. Just give up a second round pick and do it. And it worked out because he, he's one of – I think I have like eight shares across 28 leagues, which isn't much, but it's enough because there was people that were like, give me a first or I'm not trading him. And at the time it's like, all right, that's not worth it for me. I'll just pay market. Maybe I'll throw a cherry on top just to get the trade done. But I mean, Trevor Lawrence guy, I've been pounding the drum for Travis Etienne and Calvin Ridley. So this offense I'm so invested in with Doug Peterson. And I think they have the opportunity to make it pretty far in that AFC, especially with like Rogers torn Achilles. All right, now Jets. Uh, they're probably out of that contention now. There may be a wild card team. Jags sliding up those rankings. So I'm super excited. Calvin Ridley's that clear number one option in the passing game that we all thought. And I'm super excited for his breakout season. Calvin Ridley is near and dear to my heart for you guys that have been following me for years. My first ever article with Dynasty Happy Hour was Calvin Ridley, the next top 12 Dynasty wide receiver. The editor-in-chief said, we can't publish this. This is too hot. He goes out and he was wide receiver eight that year. You know what I mean? And now you look at it, the talent's always been there. Calvin Ridley is an absolute stud. And the trades I'm seeing, Snook, we got to help people underreact, overreact. For me, what I'm doing right now is if I have Diggs, Adams, Cup, I'm trying to get Ridley plus. You know, I'm seeing some offers here where, uh, you know, I got I, Calvin Ridley in a first for Stefan Diggs in a second. 
I'm all for it, you know? And I know it seems like to some people that's a crazy overreaction, but you're getting a little bit younger at a 28 year old Calvin Ridley, you know, and in the beginning of this off season, we're like, okay, he's going to be 28. But now I'm like, okay, he's 28. I'm moving off some of these older guys. I'm going to throw some trades your way. Cause I'm just excited about this. The first one, like I said, was Calvin Ridley and a 24 first for Stefan Diggs and a 24 second. Let's just call them all random. Give me Ridley all day. I know, I right? I- like, if I told you that six months ago, you'd be like, Dad, you're crazy. Like, this is not it. So I don't feel like that's an overreaction. I see 24 first form everywhere. I'm for that. If you want to, if you have a mid to late 24 first, as long as it's in not top four, I'm I'm all there. I see some trades here where I, I mean that are on the other side. I mean, I'm looking at T. Higgins or Calvin Ridley and a 24 third. This is back to our situation with, with Zay Flowers. I feel like everyone is overreacting to T. Higgins. Is there a scenario where you would give up T Higgins for Calvin Ridley and a third? I, I wouldn't. I think I just hold on to T Higgins' value in dynasty there because there's a scenario where, okay, Calvin here, perfect example, Calvin Ridley with Julio Jones. That was great. Calvin Ridley is still super good. Now we're, we finally get to see Calvin Ridley shine as the number one option. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the same thing with T Higgins. I mean, we don't think he's staying in Cincinnati if he goes to Buffalo or if he goes to like Patriots with Mac Jones, like that's just a guy that's going to see 160 plus targets or Kansas city. Like he's, he's going to probably go or New York giants. Like he's going to go to a scenario where he's the clear cut best guy on the team most likely. And he's just going to see 160 targets. And that's huge for a player as talented as T Higgins. So I'm just going to take that like six year, five year age gap in between them. But Calvin Ridley is going to outscore T Higgins this year. Like that, that's just going to happen. And we've all been pounding the drub for Calvin Ridley's season, and it's finally here. So sit tight and enjoy the ride while you can. I'm seeing something I love here, like DeAndre Swift and a third for Calvin Ridley. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, Calvin Ridley and a 25 first for Kyle Pitts. I'd smash that. Yeah. <laughs> Jacks, then I'm seeing something on the other side, Snoog, that I'm just like, guys, pump the brakes here. I see Calvin Ridley in a second for Jameer Gibbs. Do not oh. – Trade Jameer Gibbs. What are you crazy? I see one here. Brandon Ayuk and a 24 first for Calvin Ridley. Let's talk about how good Brandon Ayuk was. I mean, you know, Ridley was fantastic. Ayuk, who I've been touting all offseason, comes out, you know, two touchdowns, nearly a hundred yards. He was the apple of Brock Purdy's eye. Do not sell Brandon Ayuk. I know I'm getting ahead of the script here. I saw Ayuk's name on there and I got a little riled up. You know, but I think what we have is a situation here where Calvin Ridley is going to be a heavily traded asset because a lot of teams in your league, they got him in the rebuild because he was suspended, right? And he was just sitting there. Now the contenders are going to want him. If you are a contender and you want to buy him, you know, like it's going to cost you. Just make sure you guys are ready to pay up. I think Calvin Ridley does have, like I said, a top five, top eight season guaranteed in the box. Let, let's stick with this. Obviously, Lawrence flashed ETN. You, you, you know, we're going to try to keep this one to 30 seconds because I know you can fill a whole pod in it. But the biggest takeaway for me is ETN had five receptions. You know, like he was fantastic in the run game, but he added five receptions. If he does that, just how high up are we talking about Travis ETN's RB finish this year? I, I, I'm i not just being biased. I think there's a real world scenario where he finishes top five because he's in a high powered offense. He had 23 total touches. Five for five out of targets out of the backfield with receptions. And he ran 83% of the routes for the Jaguars out of that backfield. I mean, that's just 
screaming bell cow all over it. Tank Bigsby did not look great. And I know he scored his touchdown, and I know it's everyone's like, oh, you're just saying that because you like Travis Etienne. But no, the, I, I thought there was a scenario where Tank Bigsby would be a good compliment, but he had two big-time fumbles and turnovers that ended up being yeah. scenarios that put the Jaguars down. And when you do that as a rookie, especially in your first game, I mean, that just right there is I, this guy can't be on the field. I mean, it, that's why Travis Etienne started to play a ton after that. So I think that's a really good scenario for Travis Etienne to have a full season of being that bell cow with Tank ready to go if Travis Etienne goes down or needs a breather or anything like that. But I think that was the indicator. Travis Etienne season, 23 total snaps. He's going to be great. I think Tank Bigsby is going to be fine. I think he's going to you know, have some back-end flex play, but not somebody you're, you're willing to go out there and start. Unlike Anthony Richardson, man, you know, this season is going to be a roller coaster, right? Again, I watched every single snap. You saw some plays that you're like, wow, that just absolutely popped. Nobody else can do that. You saw some plays where you're like, it's going to take some things. But even I didn't expect a top five quarterback game in week one. You know, he goes out there against a decent Jags defense, and he just looked like him, right? He looked like an area where that window to move off of, say, Lawrence or Fields down to Anthony Richardson in a first, I think just closed. You know, like that gap just closed a little bit more, and he's putting himself closer to that tier as we speak. Again, one game, I don't want to overreact on that. The other big thing to take away from that is, is Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman with a 27% target share was impressive. And right now a lot of people value him as less than a 24 first. Got to remember he's a, you know, 24, 25 year old wide receiver who last year we had as a post, you know, now he's a post type sleeper. I think he's worth going out there and getting where you can get some insulated trades, moving off your, your Devonte Adams, your Stefan Diggs, your Cooper cup, get Michael Pittman in a first in that area. And maybe you got to throw something back their way. But I think Michael Pittman has a sneaky good 2023. You know, this Colts offense isn't pretty, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I think we all knew from the start Anthony Richardson was QB1. I mean, he wasn't your rankings. He wasn't my rankings. We yeah. loved the landing spot there. We didn't see top five week one, right? Like I saw mm-hmm. – I, I was starting to think of a scenario where it's like, ooh, man, like we might want to move off Richardson. We want to – move ourselves up to to Jalen Hurts. We want to move ourselves up. And man, he looked, he has a lot of Cam Newton type look in him. Like this was, this just, I'm excited. I got a lot of shares of Anthony Richardson Uh from that 102 spot. And this is going to be the year he's going to look great. So, yeah, I mean, we can't be, we can't be frauds and sit here and just say, oh, I was in on him all along because I was. But then, yeah, like you said, me and you had that conversation. Okay, is Anthony Richardson going to struggle this year? Do we want to move off him at that peak market value where he's like the QB8, QB9, and kind of transition to like the Kyla Murray's, the Dak Prescott's, the Tua's, and get big pluses on top and kind of compete year one? What is it that I want to do? I mean, like I said, I'm competing in 27 out of 28 leagues. I don't have room for Anthony Richardson or rookie quarterbacks. I don't need any of that stuff. I can't afford those growing pains, none of that. But, I mean, he looked great. There was a play to Josh Downs where he was pressured, off his mm-hmm. back foot in the pocket, quick read, Josh Downs across the middle. Great play after taking a massive hit. Beautiful throw on the money, man coverage. Downs ran a beautiful route. I want to talk to you about Josh Downs because I'm now I'm excited. 79% of snaps, third round rookie wide receiver. We don't see that often. Does he have the potential to be an Almond Rod t- St. Brown type player in that rookie season? That third round pick that everybody loved, that great route runner, quick feet. Good slot wide receiver. Can you see a type of scenario where he ends up being a top 24 dynasty wide receiver? I think he ends up being a steal 
in your rookie drafts? Like a lot of times I was seeing him go 210 to 301, 302. Mm-hmm. And in the pre-draft process, you and I had him as a late first. You know, I, I mean, Zoltan turned me on to him and I was totally in there. Absolutely. I don't think that Anthony Richardson can support two wide receivers in that range. You know what I mean? So I I do think Josh Downs is going to be a nice value. I don't think he's a top 24 this year, but I think if you guys are on rebuilding teams, a lot of people, no one's really talking about Josh Downs and he looked very impressive week one. So I'm definitely buying. Yeah. He was a big winner from week one for me because third round pick, they didn't usually don't play a lot. 79% of snaps. I mean, they have Alec Pierce and they have Michael Pittman. The fact that Josh Downs is there for 79% of snaps is good guys. That gives you every reason to go out there and shoot a 24 second for Josh Downs. The talent's there. The draft capital wasn't, but the talent's there. The production's there. The playing time is there early on, and I think he's going to make things easy for Anthony Richardson coming out of that slot. The other wide receiver that made life easier that is now a must-start is a guy that you and I both liked. You know, you move over to that Vikings game. Jefferson's obviously the unquestioned wide receiver one overall, absolute beast, but Jordan Addison came out, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, KJ Osborne's going to be eaten into his timeshare. You know, Jordan Addison comes out and looks fantastic. I think this is Kirk Cousins is going to have two top 24 wide receivers. And like I was saying before, is this is more of a, you know, he's the T Higgins in this offense. This is that guy that's that secondary piece. Jordan Addison is still a, a screaming buy because I'm seeing people trading him for a 24 first. I, I'm not doing it right now. Like, I think this guy really in this offense that, as much as the run game struggled, Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball a lot and be a top 10, top 12 quarterback and support two wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, coming out in the pre-draft process, I had that thread comping him to like a luxury version of a Deontay Johnson coming out of school. I'm, I mean, he's a great route runner. He's a good separator, but he has unbelievable hands. Like this is a wide receiver that doesn't drop the ball, super sound technical player, and he fits in perfectly into that Vikings offense. You can't rely on KJ and Oz. KJ Osborne is that number two, number three option in the passing right, game. Right. If you want to be an elite offense, Hawkinson and Jefferson are going to be the primary two number one options in that passing game. But Addison's going to bring a whole nother level to that passing game for them. And he's going to be a guy that some weeks is the number two option in the passing game. Other weeks, Hawkinson fires up. He he gets on fire and him and Kirk build that connection that we saw last year. And he ended up finished tight end two overall. So it's a little crowded there for me for Addison to really be all in on him as that rookie wide receiver two-ish. But, I mean, he's th- there's th- three wide receivers in this rookie cra- class. Johnson, Flowers, Addison. They're all in that tier for me. It-, it depends on the day. It depends how I wake up, who I prefer. But, I mean, the easiest way to put it is, like, Lamar Jackson and Herbert or Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, older guys, injured all the time. Or K.J. Osborne. And Justin Jefferson, or like it depends on the situation, but like Flowers and Johnson have that clear path to volume that Addison doesn't really have. But I mean, they're all great, great wide receivers, and they were all great first round picks. So these are guys that you need to be acquiring in your rebuilds and that are great insulated trades for you to make. On the other side of the ball, I mean, Baker Mayfield showed some moxie there. They come in and and, and win the game. Mike Evans, you know, had a fantastic game. Chris Godwin was viable. And, you know, what I wrote in the in the article thread that I put out there, you guys got to go check it out. But I was like, Baker Mayfield, I think, is likely going to support one of them each week, right? We don't know who it's going to be. I think Chris Godwin's going to see some volume. Mike Evans is going to see some touchdowns. But ultimately, I'm like, my question isn't those guys. We know what they are, right? We know Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin both have wide receiver two upside. Is Baker Mayfield 
in a deep 12 team super flex? Is he, is he startable? You know, I have a lot of people asking me they're like, you know, he played this week, he did well. And Ryan Tannehill looked horrible on the, on the flip side. Do I start Baker over him? And I'm like, not quite yet, but I think he's a super cheap guy. I've been trading. I've been giving up 24 thirds for Baker Mayfield. And there's no excuse if a guy's a starting quarterback to not be worth a second. So if you can get him for a third or a pair of thirds, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And that, I mean, in six point passing, like any quarterback startable, especially when they're throwing a Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and even Rashad White out of that backfield. That's a guy that I want to talk about. I mean, this is a running back that had 100% of his team's red zone touches, 79% snap share, which was up there for top of the week. So, I mean, this is a guy that had the touches. I think he had like 19 total touches, just struggled on that in that ground game. Just not an efficient week for him. But like we said, with running backs, we like to chase that volume and that receiving upside. He caught 50-plus passes last year. Dad, are you giving up 224 seconds for Rashad White in any league? Or are you kind of trying to avoid that situation in Tampa Bay and you just don't think he'll get it done efficiency-wise on that ground game? I'm not paying a first for him to start out with that. 224 seconds. And the the nice part was, you know, he saw as many touches as he did, but only two receptions. And Baker Mayfield, we know, is a guy that led led all pass, you know, all passers with dump offs. I think we're gonna see some boom bust weeks with Rashad White. I don't think if if I'm contending, I'm gonna try to pay two seconds to get a a Joe Mixon or a a Aaron Jones who looked amazing but if i'm you know in the middle of the pack and i could go either way i would definitely pay the 24 seconds you know a pair of 24 seconds for rashad white i think he has back end qb or rb1 upside for the 2023 season in full point ppr if we're talking half ppr or standard yeah i'm steering clear but full point ppr i think rashad white is going to have a very nice season moving over to the titan saints and this has been fun man i'm, I'm enjoying this you know obviously Chris Olave is him. We don't need to spend a lot of time. Eight for 112. I know you have a thread out on him. 31% target share. I mean, looked fantastic. But what I got to point out is Michael Thomas and Shahid both showed that they, they could be sneaky. I mean, I, I put a tweet out there talking about how great Olave was. And if you look at Shahid, once he became a starter, his numbers are not that far off of what Chris Olave was. He had a great week. If you're in a kick return league, he even adds more value to that. He's out there in over 50% of your leagues. I think he's a sneaky, you know, buy low in Dynasty. And Michael Thomas, you know, there were some signs here that Derek Carr is going to be able to support multiple players here through for over 300 yards. Saints offense is kind of fun to me. Yeah, my biggest takeaway was Michael Thomas. He was that same Michael Thomas we once saw, that consistent every down guy that's just separating underneath, just being an easy open blanket for Derek Carr to just feed across the middle and that's going to really help Chris Olave because Chris Olave's speed, his route running, along with Shahid on the outside. I mean, the, this offense is going to be super dynamic. They got the field stretchers. They have that elite, consistent route runner out of Chris Olave. And then they got that big body red zone target in Michael Thomas, a guy that's just going to feast physically underneath. And don't forget, guys, we got Alvin Kamara coming back in week four. This is a guy, Jamal Williams had 19 touches this week and did absolutely nothing, nothing. with them. That Saints offense looks super efficient, but Jamal Williams, guys, he's trash. He's not good. It's it, I don't want to say that about him, but he's just really not good. It was so bad. You know, it made, we saw the Lions run offense and what that made David Montgomery look like, and I think a lot of that had to do with Jamal Williams, who was a platoon guy. He went out good for him. He got paid, but he did not look like the answer there. Kamara is going to eat. Kendra Miller, by the end of the year, is going to be into that area. On the other side of the ball, I mean, I, I see Derrick Henry and Nuke on an offense that just is going to struggle all year long. 
If you're a rebuilding team, now's the time to move. You know, if one of these guys gets hurt, value dies completely. You know, I'm if I'm a contender, I'm trying to add on top of Derrick Henry. I know he's going to have some big games here, obviously against, you know, the Texans and those kind of things. But it just didn't look all that great. Saints normally a pretty good run defense. But the Steelers 49ers game. OK, Brock Purdy. How long how long have you and I been saying get Brock Purdy, right? Go out and buy Brock Purdy. He lit it up. That Ayuk Purdy connection was absolutely beautiful. You know, Christian McCaffrey, the unquestioned RB1 overall, 88% snap share. He is your league winner at the running back position. As long as he's healthy, you know, people are asking me, should I trade? This, this question came up, and I really got to talk about this with you. As someone in the Patreon today said, hey, I'm a contender. I'm going to trade uh, Jameer Gibbs for Christian McCaffrey. Now, I question this, right? A lot of times guys say, I'm a contender, but I want to go buy Christian McCaffrey. Now is not the time to do that, right? You're looking at a guy who has been in the league since 2017. If you don't, if you can't make the playoffs without Christian McCaffrey, you're not that ultimate contender, right? Christian McCaffrey gets injured. His value drops to what? Fourth, fifth round startup level. If we, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's going to be 28 years old. Jameer Gibbs gets injured. He moves from second round to third round. Steer the ship with Jameer Gibbs. And then if you get to the playoff area, you get to week 14, 15, then you make that offer for Christian McCaffrey. But a lot of people are really wanting to trade up and get McCaffrey, trade up into that area. It's it's a risky business when you're trying to talk about that much draft capital to get a, a running back of his age. Yeah, give me Gibbs in that situation all day. And honestly, give me Brees Hall too. Brees Hall, yes, I go yes. back and forth between Gibbs and Brees Hall, but I think Brees Hall deserves that RB2 spot He's until we two, see more two. volume from Gibbs and just see Gibbs kind of put pieces together. But Brees Hall's phenomenal. I mean, he had 127 rushing yards on 10 carries last night, 131 yards after contact. He's an absolute monster. This is a guy that in short areas can make you miss and turn nothing into something. So I'm all in on him, and he has that three-down upside. I said it once, and I tweeted a while back, Brees Hall is better than Jonathan Taylor. He has that bell cow role that Jonathan Taylor has, but he has that 50-plus catch upside that Jonathan Taylor cannot have. He doesn't have that type of potential. So there were so many opportunities where I was pounding the drum for flipping Jonathan Taylor into Brees Hall plus when Brees Hall was still kind of in that like RB3, four-ish range behind JT when JT was two. But, I mean, these are guys, two guys that you could get probably straight up for Christian McCaffrey. And you're going to still get a ton of elite production this year out of Brees Hall and Jameer Gibbs and get five-plus years of them on their rookie contract situations and just in run-heavy offenses that we love to see because that volume chases that elite production we're looking for. But, uh, Dad, I have a question for you, and and we kind of skipped over this, but I want to take a step back. Tajay Spears outsnapped Derrick Henry, fifty three percent of snaps versus forty eight percent. Was that a scheme thing? Was it kind of that close great, scenario right? where they were throwing a lot? And are we going to see a lot more Tajay Spears? What's Tajay Spears' upside to you if Derrick Henry goes down with a season ending injury? A lot of people are asking about Tajay Spears, and they were totally worried about you know the ACLs. We're looking at a he is a running back drafted where he was drafted that he is a two to three year window. We don't talk about that with Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, but I think Tajay Spears is in that two to three year window where if Derrick Henry were to go down, he is definitely in that RB two conversation. He's explosive as a running back going through the holes. PPR machine, you know, I think you get him out into some spaces 
Tennessee's going to be losing a lot of games. They're going to have a lot of negative game scripts. So I am offering my 24 second everywhere I can for Tajay Spears. And I think he's a great guy to buy low on a, you know, if you're on a uh, rebuilding team and you're going out there for an insulated trade and you want to trade, you know, off of Derrick Henry, you could, I think you could get Tajay Spears in the first for Derrick Henry for a contender at this point in the season. You know, you might not be able to once there's an injury or anything goes down, but Tajay Spears is a nice buy. Great question. I love that. Sticking with, uh, Guys that we're, we're talking about selling, I mean, neither of us are on to Kenny Pickett. We know that. I love Fryermuth, you know, in the tight end position. Deontay Johnson's there. We both love Pickens. Is this a one-week scenario against the 49ers, or is Kenny Pickett just going to bring everybody down a notch? Najee Harris didn't look like that bell cow that he that we've, we've seen in the past, you know, getting all the, all the running back work. Kenny Pickett just brought everything down a notch. Are you still buying in on these Pittsburgh players? I don't know. I mean, the good thing to see is that Najee Harris had 60% of snaps in an absolute blowout. So mm-hmm. just the fact that he was out snapping Jalen Warren in a scenario where they were doing a lot of passing, where you would expect Jalen Warren to kind of come in and out snap him in that like three down, just getting him in space, super fast, super quick player, great in the passing game, good pass protector. But Najee Harris out snapped him. And I said before, there's probably a good chance that this doesn't happen where it was a 50-50 split. And the fact that it wasn't even a 50-50 split in a blowout makes me optimistic with Najee Harris and just the potential of him touching the ball probably 20 times a game. But I don't know. That whole Pittsburgh offense is starting to scare me, and I'm a big George Pickett's fan. But I don't have him in many areas in fantasy football for that exact reason because, I mean, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, what's the difference? They both throw the ball to the other team, and they're both not good, so avoid those type of situations unless they're that good like Garrett Wilson where they're going to command 150 targets. It's still very sketchy scenario. I like to give Pickett the pass, though, because he did play the best defense he'll play all year, and he was just getting mobbed the whole time. And people think that he suffered a concussion during that game. So who really knows? Pickett's better than Zach Wilson. I was just making a funny phrase, but I don't know. Avoid those type of situations. The Desmond Ritters, the Kenny Pickett's, the Zach Wilson's, it's just not going to be fun, and you're going to be screaming at your TV all Sunday. Romeo Dobbs, I think that's 